The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Business of the Business Podcast. I am your co-host, JP John Paz, from the two-man power trip of wrestling. And of course, joining me, it's my co-host, the man, the myth, the Trump mania legend, Mr. Alavi Margolin. Alavi, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. It's uh, spring break. The weather is beautiful. Vaccinations continue for those participating, and we're looking forward to better days ahead. Nice, nice. Sounds very good and there's so much to talk about i feel like last week we had so much to talk about so many different topics some of those topics lavi will we get to today that we missed out on last week yes we're gonna catch up we have many topics but i don't think we overloaded it this week one of the topics that i first wanted to talk about and it's at the top of the run sheet so it's absolutely perfect uh we're we're on sync or in sync with this one it was that the ring of honor ratings estimates from joe Koff, because weeks ago we had talked about that article that you kind of uh, brought back into the fold about how Ring of Honor was saying they did 500,000 viewers a week. And, you know, we're thinking like, wow, I wonder if that's still true, still not true. So what's the latest from these estimates from Joe Koff, who obviously is running Ring of Honor? Yes. So kudos to the Fightful team, which is a really high quality website. So they did an interview with Joe Koff and he's usually pretty guarded, but maybe he was feeling good and loose that (laughs) that morning. And um, they got some ratings data out of him, which is hard to get. Um, Joe Koff had said in the article, there are probably three to 400,000, maybe sometimes 500,000 households that watch Ring of Honor every week. Now, not to saying that he would he wouldn't be honest and truthful. Is there a way to kind of back that up? Or I know we were guessing and kind of figuring that was true. Is that true? Is there a way to figure out if that's true? Like, what do we think on this? So the uh, an official source or the most official source that can verify this, of course, from a number of years ago, was an article that we talked about several weeks ago that I found in the archives. Um, Simon Applebaum of Media Village posted an article October 31st, 2016, called Sinclair's Ring of Honor, an entertaining sport, not sports entertainment. And in that article, he also referenced a Nielsen estimate of 500,000 viewers. So Nielsen estimates that more than 500,000 households watch ROH every week. Um, So... It's interesting because that, you know, it shows us that the number is around the ballpark of where we expected. Um, I would feel that, you know, if Kaf had the numbers, why why lower it a little bit? So maybe the ratings have been down 
um, a little bit. There's so much more wrestling on TV now and Ring of Honor having less of a profile, but that's speculation. But also, as compared to 2016, their footprint has grown so much in terms of stations, both uh, traditional over the air. I think some of their digital stations, it's harder to get the ratings. So they might not know how many people are watching on stadium or whatever digital platform is distributing them. They list uh, Comet or Charge, but it's not always airing at the time that it says, even if their promotional materials list it. So some of the numbers are still hard to come by. I feel that the actual numbers are out there for the traditional over-the-air stations like an ABC affiliate or NBC affiliate because I read a media selling book. And if you're a Nielsen-rated station, the Nielsen sends the station back the ratings because they have to be accountable to um, advertisers. So maybe for Sinclair, you know, they have other things to worry about. They're not aggregating that number or perhaps not sharing it with us. But I just don't think it's something that they're getting easily. I think it was um, Kevin Sullivan. Um, I was going to say our friend. I like Kevin, but I don't know him. I wish he was my friend, but your friend, <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Sullivan. And um, he had once said that um, that Ring of Honor doesn't exactly know how much ratings it's getting. So I don't think that's off. Um, I don't think they know exactly, but it's interesting to see the cop estimate because that is pretty much aligned with, you know, something that we had a few years ago, but it's still a bit of a mystery. That's one of those things. Yeah. There's not like a weekly report of what they're doing because there's so much syndication involved. We may not be able to get the actual number, but I, for some reason, I, I believe Joe on this one. I believe Joe Coff. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's a reasonable number. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later, though. You might have hundreds of thousands, but how engaged are they and how much are they willing to pay for the premium part of the product? Now, I got something here for you that's not even was told you I was going to mention this, but it's just a funny quote that I read because I know we're going to talk about Ring of Honor. <laughs> Jay Briscoe on turning down a WB offer of a quote unquote max NXT deal. He said, I can do that landscaping. <laughs> so uh, so I guess Jay Briscoe's making more money in Ring of Honor than what they offered him in NXT. Yeah, good for the Briscoe brothers. I mean, um, I get confused a little bit between the brothers. I know that uh, one had said the wrong thing and then apologized uh, a number of years ago. So that at that time, that kind of closed the door for them or at least, you know, uh, made made the opportunity to close uh, a little bit colder. Um, but uh, for them, you know, they're really homegrown Ring of Honor talents. I think they were on the first show even, if not that very early on. Um, uh, and they've really grown with the company. And for them, from what I understand, they're, they're family men. Um, they have their own businesses. There's the uh, the infamous chicken, um, chicken coops and so on. So, if they're able to be home with their families nearly every night, have a good living, live the life that they want, I think, what more can you ask for in life? Sandy Fork, Delaware. Gotta love it. Yeah, I've learned, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's true for you, but for me, like my base in geography is like whenever I hear of a, a city, I'm like, oh, you know, this wrestler comes from there. Pearl yes. River, Mississippi. Oh, I'm a Johnson. Yes. <laughs> Stone Mountain, Georgia. Jake, hello, snake. Yep, absolutely. 
that's kind of you know even me i'm from asbury park i always think asbury park bam bam bigelow nice so, uh, so uh were you um uh, did you frequent the convention center not as much as probably i should have but i've been there a bunch of times i've been there for ring of honor been there for a bunch of concerts been there just hanging out you know walking the boardwalk and stuff but nice uh nice venue i love it over there nice it's sort of like one of those things i grew up in yonkers so people would ask about the raceway and i think i was only there once um but i wanted to go to a what i thought was an independent show in the 90s um but i think it ended up being ecw but my father didn't want to go so it might have been for the best <laughs> his expectations <laughs> of what wrestling was would have been a lot different i would have yeah. loved to have been there but i'm not sure how long we would have lasted at that show as a kid <laughs> yeah i don't know if he'll be liking uh, ecw so much especially that era <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, I remember, you know, sometimes uh, when the WWF was down a little bit, we would just go like Saturday nights and just get tickets at the window. So the first time that we couldn't do that was when Stone Cold was was getting hot, you know, especially as it, the product was getting more risque. And I would think about it the same way, like my parents might not have wanted me to spend so much money or to go to shows if they had seen sort of what it was turning into. Yes, that's for sure. Now, next up, I want to talk about Roku a little bit, a little nexttv.com. Will I watch it versus will I pay for it? Roku was talking about not owning more of its own programming. What is this all about? Sure. So, you know, we have so many different services now and they kind of all get conflated together. But we have to remember that some cost uh, sometimes a nominal fee, but other times a premium price. Uh, like an HBO Max or Netflix, um, different services, or like to have less ads. So that's paying for it, whereas the others are just sort of our time, like we were talking about with the uh, with the fast channels like Pluto. And I think will I watch or will I pay for it very much relates to pro wrestling. In today, it might be, well, Pluto has the pro wrestling channel, it's not costing me anything. So will I watch it? Yes. Or if I'm already paying for Amazon uh, Prime and they have wrestling for free, like the USWA in 1990, will I watch it? Yes. But to convert someone over to pay for it is another story. Sort of like um, the NWA power, which... Um, which had been free, of course, on YouTube. And the wrestling estate had looked into um, a roundtable with their great team that they titled Time to Pull the Plug, right? Because you're looking at it more with a discerning eye now that it costs money on fight. Or your friends over at SWE Fury, they're having an event cleverly called Sprang Stampede. So instead of Spring Stampede, um, they right, you know, after your spring, you're sprang, right? Um, so they're actually having their first event that I think is a pay-per-view or premium price on fight. So they've gotten some momentum locally. People are watching on fight. Um, but now there's going to be an additional cost um, built into it. So how many people will convert over to pay? So that's the real question, right? If you look at 
TNA, for example, they always did really well in the ratings because people were like, wrestling is on. But to convert to pay-per-view was always pretty low. Whereas on the same network, the UFC would do lower ratings, but their conversion to pay-per-view was high. So just because people will watch it doesn't mean they'll always pay for it. Yes, 100%. And that is interesting with NWA Power. I thought that was kind of a weird way to kind of come back into the markets. Like, oh, I know you could have gotten us on uh, YouTube for a while. We're doing power on YouTube and you know, it's t- essentially it's free and, and you're watching it on the computer or whatever the way you're going to watch it, but it's going to be via YouTube. It's going to be free. So now they come back and it's not free. You have to pay for it. I don't know. I would have had a few free shows and then build up to something you pay for. Call me crazy, but I think that was a little bit of a uh, misstep there. No, it makes sense what you're saying. I'm thinking back, though, to like a Billy Corkin interview um, when the NWA just started, or maybe not (laughs) when his ownership of the NWA started, of course, uh, or somewhere between that and a year in. And he was talking about that they're producing programming because they hope ultimately to get a television deal. So what they were doing wasn't sustainable. So I'm imagining that now that they have a paid deal with Fight, that they have a set budget. Um, where they know what they'll be getting in terms of week to week. Of course, there's the premium pay-per-view, which is a risk, but you have a general sense of what you need to do to hold a budget, and it makes it sustainable for them. Even though it becomes a niche of a niche, um, they had some good growth on YouTube, but now this might be, okay, we, we tried that, and now this is our next step to make money. It might not be exclusive, meaning that power might be exclusive, but if they did have an opportunity to expand out further at a later time, maybe they'd have that opportunity. I don't know. I'm just thinking like, man, that's just different. You come back for back for the attack immediately. No really build to it. You just ought to throw it out there four o'clock on a Sunday and like, Oh, by the way, you're gonna have to pay for it. I know they had a couple shows before that you had to pay for, but this was right out of the gate. I would have built up to that a little bit and made people get interested and kind of get their feet wet a little bit and, and build to a pay-per-view instead of just throwing one out there and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're back. And, oh, yeah, you have to charge us each week. I don't know. I'm not really a fan of that model. Yeah. I mean, what they've been doing, and I hate to uh, to dunk on them every week, but I think Billy could take it. He's a very successful guy. Um, you know, I think their strategy, of course, has been lacking. I don't know if, you know, their um, – previous creative person uh you know was accountable for that and and left it seemed under very um auspicious reasons um that's out there but you know since since that's happened like their strategy just seems off like you know dave marquez has the talent and he's producing something and then they take they're sort of trying to do things in a different way and it's kind of a mess and then they come back with power but the talent's all gone so they're trying, but but they're still not finding their footing. But, you know, I'm imagining with Fight that they have a lot of data to examine. And for whatever they saw in terms of engagement with their pro wrestling vertical and how people were watching NWA on Fight and how many people ordered the pay-per-views, that whatever base that they have, it's worth exploring it this way where everyone makes money. We'll see in a year or two if if everyone is in the same position to see how successful that it is. 
Yeah, I guess time will tell. But to me, it was like, wow, why the heck would they automatically do that and just jump right in? And Fast Lane is on at seven. Then now they're going to be on a Sunday at four. I don't know. I would have definitely went about it a different way. And I even know because I spoke to Aaron Stevens the week before. He wasn't even sure what his matches were going to be. And then all of a sudden he's in the main event. So you could say, oh, he just didn't tell you he was in the main event. Well, I think he would have wanted to promote that he was in the main event of the show. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where he thought he was defending the tag title. So even he wasn't sure of what was going on with the NWA. And he works there. Yeah, he was working you, brother. Yeah, he, could, he very well could have been. But to <laughs> me, I was like, well, wouldn't you want to promote the main event of the show? You know, get, get it out there. But who knows? Who yeah. the heck? Who knows? But hey, uh, SW Fury, they seem to be on a bit of a roll lately. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I follow them on LinkedIn. I'm getting great content once or twice a week of new TV stations. And I've even been watching it um, a little bit. So glad to see Kevin in the uh, Kevin Sullivan in the commentary booth mm -hmm. and jazz. Everyone seems to be having a good time. I mean, for better the you know the arena sort of you know the small arenas it kind of looks like pro wrestling pre-pandemic there's a a good sized crowd there they're responsive you don't see that that much obviously for the worse you know i don't know how much testing or social distancing is going on but in terms of a television product it certainly appeals but um they also identified that their production could be better. So before announcing the fight deal for the, the premium show um, pay-per-view, they had announced Crossfade Design was going to be um, producing their, their show, at least like the, the fight pay-per-views, which is great to see. That's a very professional company. They've worked with top-ranked boxing and um, other premium program so i don't think i'm going to order the pay-per-view but if i could see clips of that or just get a sense of what things look like i think it's gonna look so much better however i don't know you know how they're funding everything right now it, it could be a big risk to spend on this much on production so you know they'd have to see results as well but they're definitely making big moves and there's someone to watch very quietly they're sort of emerging onto the national scene, onto people's radar, but they have a lot of um, unique talent that uh, that you're not seeing everywhere. What's going on with AEW? AEW moving some events. Yeah, so, you know, they've had a number of events on the calendar, and I have been watching it regularly to think as we're getting closer that it would have to be moved, which made sense. So Philly, they had April 7th. Now it's bumped October 6th. Um, Boston had been on the calendar, uh, and these are rescheduled dates, of course, April 21st, bumped to September 8th. Rochester had been June 16th, bumped to September 29th. Um, Newark, I think, is scheduled for September or early October as well. So, you know, it's just reasonable to move these dates along because they, of course, weren't going to be viable in April, and it seems like the best move for everyone, especially in the Northeast, um, the governors and uh, mayors and so on are, are certainly more careful about things than in a, a Texas or Florida. What about this house show? So, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting to see for a couple of reasons, because, you know, a lot of times we were speculating that maybe AEW would never have a need for a house show. And also, 
it seemed like they were staying away from WrestleMania a week based events. But April 9th, they're calling it the house always wins. So that's cute that it's a house show. And, um, you know, it seems like a unique timing. I don't think Jacksonville is so close to Tampa, but it's not super far if, if you had time on your hands to, and a car probably to travel back and forth. But it's a good way if fans are in town for WrestleMania to expose them to a new product for the first time, maybe make some more hardcore AEW fans and just kind of get yourself out there. You already have the venue. It's not in use. If the talent's sort of hanging around Florida already, you know, why not give it a shot? I'm sure, you know, if they're only offering a thousand or so seats, I'm sure that they can move those. And that's not a quick trip from WrestleMania where it is in Tampa to Jacksonville, probably three hours each way. So is that kind of uh, going to be really hardcore fans doing this trip or going to be the normal AEW fans? That's a great question. I think like, you know, they already have the fans in town. So I think most of them will be the local locals. Um, but, you know, for pro wrestling fans, if you're hard enough, hardcore enough to go to WrestleMania week in a pandemic and this opportunity is on your radar and maybe you, uh, I don't know how many people are traveling from Europe or Australia these days, but maybe you live in a different region of the U.S., and you know you're not coming back to Florida for a while. You've already taken the week off. So maybe you're going to be doing this trip. Coming back, you might not mind staying up late. It just depends on what you're giving up uh, during the day to get there. You know, it's interesting kind of going back to that and thinking about what Cody Rhodes said about a year ago. We will not be piggybacking, he wrote, I think it was on Twitter, that they won't do any WrestleMania weekend events, and that's not their thing. Well, a year later, they're doing it. So what happened? What changed? Yeah, John, you're good. I just had in a very um, uh, non-specific way the, the concept, but you had the yes, actual yes. bulletins on. I yes. think it's just so different. It doesn't feel like they are piggybacking on WrestleMania. Like It's not like they're just trying to get a slice of it and get their biggest house of the year, like um, – ring of honor or something like that but it's just like hey you know all these fans are in town nothing else going on i don't know if they're starting to do music concerts at, at this venue at darby's place or uh, why am i calling Dar or whatever it's called um so dailies dailies dart right you know uh he's, he's it is, it's gonna be darby's place. he should yeah, call it darby's place darby allen if you're listening feel free to take that um but you know it's an opportunity and it doesn't feel like that they're piggybacking too much but it's just people aren't too far away so why not give it a shot but like you mentioned um you know it is it's not exactly in the same market so people would have to go on the extreme level i remember when wrestlemania week was in obviously new jersey but new york was sort of attached to it and people were trying to like everywhere like you know, Jersey City and um, Staten Island, but like no one was, you know, unless you're from Staten Island, no one was going to Staten Island for WrestleMania week for an indie show and then coming back. So like you have to find the right, the right venue and the right draw. As far as kind of the other shows that have moved, are you going to Philly in October? Are you going to Boston? I mean, uh, in September, are you going to Rochester, New York in September? Which show are you going to? That uh, you know, I have to, I have to get to the to the Newark show if I can. So what's interesting was that I bought the most expensive seat possible at that time. Um, was really enjoying the AW product when it first started. I still like it, um, but then I was like, 
it seemed like they were going to do the show, right? Like, you know, it seems so different to reflect back a year, but it seemed like they were still going to do the show and this was sort of in the air, no, no pun intended. Um, and then I was like, no, I'll just get a refund. <laughs> so like I cast that seat back out, but you know, when, when the show comes closer, if, if I have the time, I'd like to go there, but um, I'd have to look when the Boston date is. I have some family in, in Providence. So um, actually my parents, are older so they just moved up there so kind of looking for excuses to get back in that region anyway so if that timing works out nice as far as wb going to europe what is the latest right um so i you know i'm not sure if they're communicating with this um more in terms of european dates but of course that that post wrestlemania is, is usually um, European, but I think some of them are moved up a little bit more. I, I think it was like late April, May, and so on. And a few months ago, it seemed like Europe was doing a lot better than us. Um, but now, you know, with their COVID situation, it's doing worse than us. We're, you know, not, not to step too far out of my area, but Europe usually portends the U.S. So it's, sort of like giving us, you know, like how Japanese wrestling shows us what the, the U.S. scene will look like. Europe usually shows us what the U.S. will look like. So uh, unfortunately, I think we are going to be in another dark period for um, soon for some time till more people get vaccinated. But all that being said, there's there's no way that WWE will probably run those dates. So they'll have to bump them. So for the most consistent shows that had been on the calendar, those will, will probably be moved. What about MLW coming to Philly, moving the date? Yeah, so they've had, of course, you know, planned pre-pandemic. They've had a, a date at the famed ECW Arena, 2300 Arena, uh, on the calendar for quite a while. So they're bumping it now to July 10th. My fingers are crossed, sort of like that would probably be the earliest date that sort of larger scale events I mean, it's a small arena, but like, you know, where you'd want to hold an event, maybe by July, I'm hopeful, but you know, that might have to be bumped again. We'll have to see. I hope they do it because I'm actually interested in going to that if if they do do it. I mean, I love uh, that area and I love wrestling in Philly. I love the fans over there and I love the arena. So I hope they do that show. I hope it actually comes to fruition because obviously all the craziness going on and there's a possibility of it not happening. Yeah, I've always wanted to uh, to get out there. I've I've walked by the corner of Rittner and Swanson on my way to, I think it was a, no, it was a UFC um, UFC fight with Anderson Silva, um, was was in the main event in um, whatever the arena is that's next to the Eagles Stadium. Actually, there's a couple stadiums there, but wherever they were running. Um, I paid four hundred dollars for that seat. I don't know what I was thinking, uh, oh but it was God. a good. Yeah, it was. Give me back that four hundred. No, but it was a good show. Uh, but I remember walking by um, the ECW arena on the corner. I was like, "Oh man, like look at this!" I was going to like a premium UFC event, and I was like, "I wish I was going to an indie show at the arena." Hey, I'm right there with you. I feel you. <laughs> Would have been a lot cheaper too. Yeah, that's true. Although, from what I understand, it kind of it doesn't really look anything like how it used to, for better or worse. You know, more comfortable, but you don't get the same feel. It definitely, uh, I got upgraded, but um, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it was a it was a pretty big dump uh, beforehand. Even when uh, 
after ECW was running and you know CZW were running, it actually got worse. So it was, I mean, it was a real dump, but they fixed it up. Very, very nice. Got a nice bar in there. Good setup in there. And the bathrooms are actually nice now, so not too bad. Yeah, those uh, those owners get really lucked out by having ECW randomly start renting in their dump of a venue, and then like it became a premium place. I think yep. even Sports Illustrated had listed it as like best place to see boxing or for a venue of its size. Like years mm -hmm. ago, um, there was like a, a boxing series that would that would run there um, late '90s, early 2000s, something like that. Yes. Now let's go to some indie stuff. AIW, they return to get volunteers to get some Venmo. What is going on with this? This is like an interesting thing. And I guess because of the pandemic, they kind of had to do this, but very interesting with the Venmo and the volunteers. So what's going on with AIW? Yeah. So of course, you know, we know that um, independent wrestling promotions are struggling for the most part. And, um, we know that GCW had run a, a YouTube event where, you know, the the money raised um, from the sponsorships would go directly towards the wrestlers. So in this um, event that AIW is running that they said that, you know, they're not paying the talent, they're volunteering, uh, but they'll be paid in Venmo or, or through the cash app. You can tip them sort of like... Um, uh, what's that called um, on Twitch, right? Like you could give somebody bits or something. Mm -hmm. You're yep. the creator. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to think about it. I don't think that like AW is like getting super rich off, you know, events now. So I know that they're having a hard time, but, you know, I'm imagining AW is a for-profit enterprise. And, you know, I always have a little bit of questions about asking somebody to volunteer their time and, and their bodies for something like this without you taking the risk. I kind of feel like if you're a promoter and you think it's viable to run a wrestling show and make money, run the show, but don't ask your talent to volunteer their time. One of those things where it's like, man, like, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but you can get away with it because of the pandemic, you know, like maybe normal circumstances couldn't get away with it. During the pandemic, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's innovative or it's in another way to do it or go about it. Yeah, my, my red flag goes up, but I know AW has a good reputation and a lot of talent goes through there that seems to enjoy the experience. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but it you know gives me some questions. What about Jersey Championship returns under GCW? What What is this going? What's going on here? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, GCW, of course, was birthed from Jersey Championship Wrestling. They bought the promotion and then uh, rebranded it as GCW. So now GCW's umbrella is sort of bringing back the original uh, brand. And you know, it allows them to do certain things, like um, when they're running uh, – the casino in, in Atlantic City, you could have an afternoon show that's JCW and then evening show that's G, GCW. So um, maybe, you know, when you're growing the second brand, it doesn't have as many expectations as the bigger brand. So you could experiment with different things. I think it gives you a little bit of flexibility. I mean, we saw that to the extreme with um, WWN where you know, there'd be Evolve and Dragon Gate USA, but then Future Impact Pro. And then there'd be, you know, so many 
uh, brands um, built out of that. Um, but here, you know, it's an interesting thing to watch because GCW seems to be the most buzzworthy promotion of, you know, sort of owning social media and, um, you know, on Twitter, they always get a lot of, a lot of love. Um, so it's interesting to see them create another brand and, and see what they do with it. That's just to me, yeah, interesting, but hey, well, let's see a lot of stuff that GCW does. I you don't think it's going to work and it ends up working. So we're going to have to wait and see again to see if this works or doesn't work. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's an interesting um, idea, and I'm I'm curious. I've I've never been to a GCW show, uh, Brett Lauderdale, and I have you know exchanged uh, a little bit of ideas um, over over Twitter, and I'd love to uh, to get him on the show sometime, just because he's he's built you know really interesting thing. At its face, I'm not sure if it's all exactly for me. I'm not like um, a hardcore wrestling fan, but I know that that's not all what they do there's so many different uh, flavors there so i'm really curious to to learn more what about attending events post pandemic i know sportico had a big poll out there and and harris poll and all this other stuff was going on what is kind of the consensus of people attending these shows post pandemic yeah so i think it's um I think it depends by generation and we could sort of see that, you know, not to extrapolate this too far, but I think, you know, when you look at pictures of people in Florida on spring break, the younger people who aren't vaccinated are sort of like let's party and, and the boomers and so on are, are who are getting vaccinated are more cautious. So for the boomers, um, 7% will go more frequently. Um, 57% are not sure. And 36% will go less frequently. Um, for Gen X, 25% will go more frequently. So almost four times as many, 50% aren't sure, and 25% will go less frequently. And for Gen Z and millennials, 37% will go more, 36% not sure, and 27% less frequently. You did a small poll as well, didn't you? Yes. So I was sort of thinking about it like, you know, when when uh, WWWF, I got my reference in again, um, yeah. <laughs> when there was, uh, what was it, a ride at the garden or something. And, you know, for a time in the 70s, um, they only allowed um, older teens and adults in to watch the shows. And that sort of reminded me of the timing that we have now with you having to be 16 plus to get a... Um, you know, to get a COVID vaccine. So I was thinking with wrestling promotions, should they promote um, events to those 16 plus? I'm not sure if my results are indicative of everything because people didn't uh, respond <laughs> too much to it as opposed to some other polls I've done. But 45% said that yes, that um, they should market to 16 plus. No, uh, 36%. And then I was being a smart aleck and I wrote, what's the COVID? 18%. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just thinking like, I thought there would be uh, more people for sure wanting to go. It seems like a bit of a 50, 50, you know, a little for the most part. Yeah. I think like, I think everyone's sort of figuring it out. I'm very curious to look at the actual numbers once, once it becomes time to go. And like, it's hard to imagine what things will be like 
July 1st and then September 1st and then January 1st, just because we've, you know, we've been in this, uh, depending on where you live for 13 months, um, some people in Europe, 15 or 16 months, some people in Asia, a month more than that. Um, but like, it's been going on so long, it's hard to imagine like what the next step will be. What about the Rhodes Academy? And now they're going to start their own streaming. Yeah, I thought this was really smart. Uh, great way of like getting themselves out there. Um, in terms of, you know, of course, uh, Dustin Rhodes has the Rhodes Wrestling Academy. And I'm not sure how long, you know, each cohort um, is part of the academy. But he had a um, sort of like a graduation show or a showcase. And, um, you know, looking at it on YouTube just a couple of days later, it was almost 10,000 people. And I'm sure that's grown since then. But it just seemed like a great way to build up content uh, for wrestling, to get things out there. And it was uh, quite pop popular. You know, it's a great way to, like, get exposed to exposed newer talents. And if you're a wrestling fan, to get exposed to new talents, you can say, oh, I saw them when they were first um, wrestling. And surprisingly, um, you know, uh, when I was looking at Rocky Mountain Pro's um, stream on Twitch, um, and they stream all the time, um, they were showing like their Tuesday night training. And that wasn't even matches. That was just people running the ropes or working on footwork. And there were several pe thousand people watching. So there's something about the training element that seems to appeal. Wow, interesting. Um, you wouldn't think that many people would be interested in watching that, but I guess there is some appeal there. Maybe uh, some money to be made. Yeah, you know, there's um, totally unrelated, but it reminds me of it. Like some people stream themselves sleeping, and people will pay for that. Just like nothing weird, but just like people sleeping. Um, so there's a market for everything. That is very very weird. <laughs> as far as Let's go uh, the closer scrutiny of entertainment monopolies. What is this all about? So this isn't specifically um, pro wrestling uh, related, but it, it just brought up some questions to me. So um, in terms of the anime market in the U.S., like the two biggest streamers or content producers are Crunchyroll, which is making me hungry for sushi, and Funimation, um, are planning to combine. And the U.S. Department of Justice is looking at it as an antitrust review. How much of the anime streaming market will they control? So it just goes to show that the Justice Department under Biden will be very different than under Trump, that they're going to look for monopolies or potential monopolistic practices. Whereas you might say, okay, anime, well, you roll that no pun intended, you roll that into entertainment and people have a million choices, right? Um, but here they're looking at the specific niche market. So for anime. So when you think about pro wrestling, um, let's say WWE, um, you know, if they were to be very ambitious and they'd start doing what they did, let's say in the 80s or something like that and looking to buy out, not not that they're for sale or they could do it, but if they start buying out an AEW and they acquired Impact and they got Ring of Honor, um, that the Justice Department would, you know, would would probably be looking at that pretty closely if they would approve those sort of practices. DAZN is back on the show. We're always talking about DAZN. 
What's going on with them and the streaming rates? No, so this really shows sort of like the dominoes, although I don't think they were related, but right, we had the huge Amazon deal for I think Thursday night football, billion dollar deal. Mm -hmm. So in Italy, the football or soccer Serie A is very popular. So they the zone just signed a huge deal that they have some exclusive rights or they do have exclusive rights to to air this programming. So it just goes to show that streaming services are um, are putting up big money to get sports. And, you know, that might foretell um, even stronger negotiations for the premier pro wrestling companies, especially in the U.S., obviously WWE, maybe AEW. Um, companies that are outside the U.S. that are big, they don't seem to benefit as we've seen so much from that, like a, a new Japan or triple a. Bushi road. What's going on? They're losing money this quarter. How is that possible? What's going on? Bushi road. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so not many people had noticed this or, or talking about it yet. Um, so Bushi road, of course, the parent company of, of new Japan, um, they had a 3.4% increase in overall revenue, but flagging performance in various sectors. Um, they um, reported 73 million, um, obviously translated in revenue, but uh, they, um, they, lost, um, they lost some money, uh, you know, as well. Um, so uh, one of the things to, to think about as we were talking about with Brandon is that um, you know the profit margin for pro you know for New Japan at least maybe for Bushi Road overall is very thin. So you know if your profits are down or even if you're at a loss, then you know it could really hurt the company overall. So nothing specifically to be concerned about right now, but. Um, but something to to look at, uh, you know, the way this article was written on Anime News Network is a little bit confusing because in the headline they said it's a loss. But, you know, as I'm looking further, it, it looks like their earnings were a little bit less. But um, so the OK uh, has led to. OK, so they acquired a company called Hikosen Theater Company and the continuous postponement of shows has led to a 1.75 million net loss for Bushi Road. So some of their divisions didn't lose, but acquiring this company and that not being able to capitalize on that has been a loss uh, for them. So it's interesting to look at how parent company is doing, um, you know, as it could affect um, its divisions. You think overall Bushi Road has been happy with New Japan and their rise? Um, you know, it's certainly been notable how they've grown and overall they have been, but we could see with, um, you know, with uh, talent, with management shakeup that, you know, they could have been too thrilled with how everything is going. So we'll have to see now that sort of Japanese management has come back sort of like to have a firmer grasp of things, how things will grow. It's a little bit mysterious to understand exactly what's going on when, when the culture is so different sometimes. 
And I don't think, like, I think every entertainment company, unless they're benefiting greatly from streaming, that if there's a live event component to what they do, you know, it's it's a challenge, obviously, now. Let's talk about Impact Wrestling. They're moving again, and this time they're moving to Thursdays. What's up with that? No, so I thought it was interesting. Like, the first strategy that I thought about for them would be smart, would be, like, let the... um, you know, let NXT announce that uh, that they're moving to Tuesdays and then, like, don't make it so obvious that, like, take a few losses for a few weeks and then don't make it so obvious, you know, just say, announce that you're moving to Thursdays. But I think in the end, they're smarter about what they did. So before NXT publicly announced they're moving to Tuesdays, which as of this taping, I think it is out officially today, um, but they just said they're moving to Thursdays because that's, our you know traditional time slot of course that was the time slot they were on um you know with spike and uh once they well with spike mostly to me it's like wow they i don't know they keep moving nights if you keep doing that you might lose some of the audience and they were kind of not doing that great anyway i don't know to me it's like i don't know it's an interesting interesting thing. They're going to move again, but NXT moves to Tuesday, so that would that have killed them? So who knows? Yeah, I think they would have started to take a drubbing. I'm sure that you know they have their most loyal fans, but it has become you know far and away, at least from what we can see of the top 150 original programs, their most popular show. It's it's Impact, and then um, some shoulder programming that is Impact breaks through as well. So I guess they want to protect that a bit especially since they invested so much to get this network what's up with peacock 35 million is this true yeah so cnet reported that um they've signed up uh 35 million that's up from 33 million at the end of last year so 2 million growth um isn't that big and then it also uh, includes both free users and paid accounts. So it could be free, it could be $5 or $10. So maybe a little bit of like uh, the old WWE network where they would sometimes announce what their total was. And then you'd have to really look closely as to what the paid was. So we talked about previously that they are losing a lot of money uh, so far on Peacock, but they're sort of trying to do a land grab from 33 to 35. I don't know if that's that impressive if if so many of the accounts are free, but there's certainly life to it. It's not like a Quibi, which sort of like came, no one, not many people wanted it, and then it burned out quickly. Um, NBC Universal is uh, seems to be in this for the long haul. With Peacock, think about that. 35 million people at least $5. Some people will probably have that $10 option as well. Man, I mean, that's a pretty chunk of change, at least uh 175 million dollars per month at least two billion for the year i mean can't be doing too bad i know that they need more and that they lost 900 million last year but can't doesn't seem like they're doing too bad i feel like when you play at such a high level there's you know even if there's a lot of money coming in there's so much going out but you know it's it, things will shake out like um paramount is you know looking to raise more money sort of like to arm arm themselves for this like war quote unquote for like for signups and um, streaming services so everyone's like trying to establish themselves as one of the the main players and sort of like they're thinking about spending the money now so then they can have the benefits later 
Very true. What is going on over at your favorite place, YouTube? There's been some growth. Yeah, so uh, WWE recently celebrated their 75 million um, subscribers. So it just um, made me think about, well, how are, you know, we're not going to do a deep dive into this um, like we've done in the past, but just sort of how are some of the bigger players on YouTube faring? So Impact has their 4 million, Beyond has 3 million, and AEW recently hit uh, 2 million. Um, Somebody that sort of I don't know if they work or consult with the AEW, but they're involved with the YouTube um, promotion or, or growth. They were sort of like, they wrote it on LinkedIn, like better late than never, 2 million. And I don't know, I would have taken it as a positive. It didn't seem late because they're a young company, but it sort of like made me think about, you know, what their expectations are and, and how happy are they with the YouTube growth thus far. YouTube, especially with so many people kind of gravitating more online and everything else, YouTube is its one of those things that they never seem to have a decline. It always seems to be a growth with YouTube. Yeah, I think like, you know, sometimes some channels post so much that it like takes over my YouTube feed and I unsubscribe. But I think you really have to be like annoyed by it to unsubscribe because I'm subscribed to so many things I didn't even realize, you know, till I look at like, you know, once in a while like what are you subscribed to i'm like oh i am i didn't even realize that that is very very true same thing here big time now as far as wb what is going on with them and a talent management group this has kind of been out there for a bit what's what's the latest on this yeah so we had talked about it when it was first breaking but they've started to build out their uh their management team and it was interesting to see who they have so amy tunick um, another, um, you know, new senior vice president. She comes from Warner Media, um, and uh, the uh, two of the three directors. One comes from United Talent Agency. The other comes from BET. Um, so they're bringing in, you know, a lot of entertainment people, of course, because this is their talent management division to go out and maximize their talents to get them, uh, whether it's advertising, um, to be involved in media. Uh, and so on. So they've named um, Amy Tunick, Senior Vice President, leads the functions and brings expertise in brand strategy, talent, and entertainment marketing, and large-scale media partnerships. Amy has a strong leadership philosophy centered on transparency, contribution to mission, and attitude above all else. Joining Amy are our three directors, Michelle Rubin, Chanel Landreau, and Stephen Kay, our directors add a wealth of experience in talent management, content and marketing strategy, talent contract negotiations, global production, and more. And we are also happy to introduce our three managers, Tavia Hartley, Austin Freeland, and Michael Davis. Our managers bring brand development, mar- marketing strategy, and operations, public relations, and social media. Um, so only one of these people was uh, an internal promotion. So Michael Davis... Um, that's E-A-L. Um, he has been with the company since 2018 as a senior coordinator of global marketing um, before uh, now taking this role with talent management. But the others all come from outside entertainment companies because it is um, a unique um, you know, division that they're building out that's not really part of the core. With that, kind of management group are they going to take some i know the core is there like you said but are they going to take some like mark carano and this person are they going to start 
taking some people or are they going to start hiring some more people? Because it seems like this is going to be a pretty big endeavor. Yeah, I think they've built it out for now. Um, but like it seems like for the most part, they'll look to the outside. I mean, once they've built it out, you could start moving uh, people, uh, you know, into some of the lower levels of the division, right? Because they just announced the manager. So you have coordinator roles and, and so on, um, you know, to grow them within the company if they see that. But it seems like talent management is such a unique field that you want to bring in people that already have um, a lot of that institutional knowledge. The Nigerian Federation is getting some presidential support. What is this Nigerian Federation and what kind of support are they getting from the president? Yes. So I love like international um, news. Um, this came to validate my hours spent in my Google alert searches. But um, the president, Nigerian Professional Wrestling Federation, John Ushi, has said that President Mohamed Buhari will unveil, will unveil 2021 Nigerian professional wrestling tournament battleground in may so i don't know how big pro wrestling is in nigeria um but you know it's going to be in a national stadium and the president of the country is the person that's going to be announcing it so like uh you know we've obviously talked about trump and his involvement in pro wrestling but uh, outside of like Jimmy Carter being friends with Mr. Wrestling too, how often do you see like the president of the country being part of the promotion? So I think, you know, promotions that are uh, far afield from the U.S., it's such a different world. And I don't know much about Nigerian politics, but it seems quite different than the way we operate here. But it's just like one of those curious stories and fun stories to find. Very interesting. Yeah, you're finding some really wacky stories here out of nowhere. Is it popular over there for wrestling at all? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like every once in a while, you hear those uh, those stories slip out of like whether somebody had a good experience or a bad experience. Sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to conflate um, several African countries one with another, but uh, but you hear about things like Power Uti's promotion and so on, and like what happens there. Uh, but an awesome follow that I just discovered in the last week is WrestleMap. Um, I think uh, whoever it is that runs it, I believe he or she is in Nigeria, but finds a lot of unique stories like from all over the world and like tweets about, um, you know, uh, promotions in Europe and um, obviously in Africa, but all over the world shared some cool pictures of a promotion in Stockholm. So um, I suggest that if you like those type of stories that you follow at WrestleMap. Nice. Nice little plug there. What is going on here in the States? Warrior Wrestling Summer Series. I guess it's probably coming to the Chicago area. Matt Cardona is all on board. I don't know if they've announced anybody else or if he's going to be wrestling himself or what's going on here, but uh, they got a big summer series plan for Matt Yeah, Cardona. no, like what I was impressed by was that they've already put out their dates for the summer, June 5th, July 17th, August. I guess to be determined, but no one needs to know yet. Um, but um, you know, they are announcing uh, a number of known talents and they seem to have done really well uh, last year. So I'm just scrolling through and I see here um, one of their upcoming events has Sam Adonis versus L.A. Park and so on. So, um, you know, 
it just goes to show good planning leads to good promotion. Um, that football field seemed to have plenty of space, even if they need to continue the social distance at that time. And, um, you know, it seemed, uh, it seemed to work out uh, really well for them. So it, it's sort of like one of those um, regional promotions that can bring in talent and seems to maximize it. Yeah, they've been somewhat popular, I would say. I feel like they got a, a little bit of buzz, whether it was from Brian Pillman Jr., maybe, or Brian Cage or Janela, but it seemed like they were getting a little bit of buzz. Thunder Rosa, of course, for sure, getting uh, you know, getting some news out there. Yeah, I always like to see that. And um, of course, they, they stream the programming, but it, you know, I get in my alerts, I always get um, updates. Um, about um you know like in the chicago tribune or something like that uh talking about their shows and the promotion so they're really good at the grassroots marketing warrior wrestling who you know who sometimes who knows what's going to be popular with the crowd but that definitely was getting over with a segment uh, of the wrestling fans there's no doubt about that i feel like uh, you know they definitely had some momentum going and maybe they can keep it going yeah, maybe like the summer is their uh, their time to uh, to shine. As far as this week, I believe you had a shout out, another shout out you wanted to give. Yeah, so um, uh, unexpectedly, I was contacted on Twitter by the people behind Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia, which is a sci-fi comedy comic book miniseries about a disgruntled pro wrestler who declares himself galactic champion of the universe only to have a planet of alien wrestlers view it as an act of war. So always like to support people doing creative things. Um, there's a whole team behind it. Um, just mention a couple names. Ed Kunell is the um, writer. Um, Ed actually has a really interesting background. Once I looked, he's actually been a writer for video games um, before, besides just other entertainment properties. A couple of the artists are Kendall Good and Dan Shkade um, and some other good people. But it just reminded me, like, I loved um, pro wrestling comic books growing up. It was sort of a tie between um, WCW and um, what do they call that? Um, it was like an oversized Valiant comic book that had WWF Battle Mania. Um, so whenever people are contributing to the um, comic book pro wrestling mythos. I always want to do my best to support them. I feel like you're giving a lot of shout outs. I love it. Re Planet WrestleTopia. Interesting. Yeah, these are free guys, but you know, if you want to sponsor us, reach out to, to John and, and we can talk some business. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, the premise is kind of cool too. I mean, it's an interesting, interesting idea. Yeah, and, you know, this would be something at some point I would imagine myself wanting to do, you know, I've taken a comic book writing class with Danny Fingeroth, who is a um, successful editor at Marvel, and um, when people, you know, they put their effort and they want to put something out into the world, you know, give it a shot, check it out. Now, as far as this week, let's get to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out my website, tmptempire.com. Also, check out Patreon, patreon.com backslash tmptempire. Lavi, what do you got for some plugs? Sure. So, follow me on Twitter, Lavi Marg, L A V I E M A R G. Um, check out 
our podcast archives and wrestling articles and career articles on my website, lioncubjobsearch.com. And check out my career books and Trump Mania on amazon.com. Good stuff there. Did we get everything? The last two weeks, I feel like we had so many topics to cover, probably over 40, I would say. So did we get to all of them? We did. And you're the pro's pro because I'm looking at the clock as it's ticking and we're just under one hour. So you know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You got to, you know, you got to get the the mileage out of each story, but not, not, you know, not go too crazy with them. But yeah, absolutely. Um, And as far as us, we got a a pretty big announcement. We will be moving over in about a week or so time to the Creative Control Network. Uh, So we got a lot of good stuff. The two-man power trip and Joe Feeney and the Creative Control Network have a great relationship. And they were very interested in the business of the business. So there's going to be a fun and wild ride heading over to Creative Control. But we'll have more on that in the week or so to come. Awesome. So, so excited to uh, to join that that stable uh, of talent. It's really an amazing group and uh, really giving you a great history and, and the pulse of the business. Definitely, for sure. And before we go, Lavi, I got to give you a little quiz. What do we got for next week? So we're going to, uh, to have a very special guest, very knowledgeable about the media landscape. I've I've learned from you. Don't reveal the name till you have, uh, you know, <laughs> the show uh, taped and ready to go. Especially, you know, in the the crazy world that we live in. But it's going to be a real treat. And I don't think he's been on any pro wrestling podcast before. But he has so much to share about it. Nice, great tease for next week. So good stuff there, Alavi. Great stuff as always. Like thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here next week on the business of the business. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.